0: Hey there, Jay. This is John from the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast. Just about to start listening to your episode published today, your GM's diary. And just sort
1: of drop you a message. Just heard your bit where you're, you've bought uh, tickets to go to the UK Games Expo that's been rescheduled for August. Alas, I don't think myself I'm going to be there. I was
2: originally supposed to be there as per usual running um the sort of quick drop in games for games on demand unfortunately because i've rescheduled it for august uh,
0: and a lot of people have already got holidays booked where i work for august so i don't
2: think i'm going to be able to make it but hopefully it will go ahead i hope you get to go there it's a great convention i pretty much go every year this will be the first one i've not gone
1: to in a few years i hope you and your family have a great
2: time take care
0: Things he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown Keep calling out to me I hear him think out loud To Only the brave shall come into
1: page one. My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay
0: Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Hey Che, this is Ron from uh, Confessions of a Wee Tim Bushy. I'm just listening to uh, part two of your um, Dungeon Master the Diaries, the one where you talk about the Fantastic Isles and Second Edition AD&D um, regarding the ad and I really do like the Wizards of the Coast um, green covers, and I'd love to add it to my collection but I, I'm trying to steer clear of any more books because I've been told to. Anyway um, yeah second edition was good and looking back a lot of things that I took for granted as uh rules to be followed were actually optional rules here like um, even like the weapon proficiencies were optional uh, let alone uh, the specializations and and um, non-weapon proficiencies so that was really surprising. 2E obviously brought in a lot of changes from uh, as compared to 1E, um, THACO you know to hit armor class 0 that was brilliant uh, innovation at the time and and we took to it like ducks to water it wasn't difficult at all um yeah it was just sped up the game other things that were interesting were the um the uh powered up monsters to go with the powered up uh, characters of uh, the, you know that had been the um standard since you know uh, probably the mid 80s or before and uh, the changes to the ranger uh, of course there were some changes to the uh, monster names the devils and the demons were out and um that was a minor thing um it, I, all in all i mean it's an interesting set of rules i'm not sure i'm tempted tempted to uh investigate it more myself but it's uh it's good that you you're getting back in there i don't think there's anything wrong be, between mixing systems so enjoy talk to you later bye so minion there talking
1: and of course Thank you to John and Large at the top of the show. Uh, really appreciate your calls, guys. I really do. And, um, yeah, it'll be a shame not to meet you there, John. Um, but I don't even know if it'll go ahead. I mean, let's be honest, this whole COVID-19, coronavirus thing is certainly threatening to end any kind of mass gathering for, all oh, I mean, maybe 12 months or more. I don't know. Um, we shall have to see. I was just trying to be optimistic. Rob Minion, um, thank you so much for your thoughts on second edition. I've really enjoyed reading through that recently, and uh, I think over the last week or so that sort of drifted a bit, as you'll hear in the diary. But um, no, I've really enjoyed it uh, more than I expected, actually. Um, There's far more in there that's of positive than there is of negative. And um, I felt like it really was an innovation and move forward in in Dungeons & Dragons in the same way that I felt third edition actually was a move forward in so many ways. And I think it often is vilified um, for unfortunate reasons, really. But anyway, I'm, I'm going digging in. Um, as you are here, I'm starting to think about what I want to do with my own fantasy campaigning. And I think many of the influences I want to bring across to the game, I'll be talking about towards the end of this uh, particular sort of instance of the diary which by the way may well go into two episodes yet again because there is so much to talk about but i think in the second part towards the end uh, as i move towards where i'm at today you will hear um, me talking about the fantasy worlds and i think i want to bring a lot of inspiration from second edition there's so much goodness in there you know so anyway thank you for your call um and i just got one more really from from jason so let's hear what jason's got to
2: say Hey, Jason here. Yeah, I definitely don't think you should stop GMing. I think you're a better GM than you maybe think you are. But, uh, yeah, and, and I understand you have a limited amount of time, so it may not be realistic to play and GM, you, you know, both. So, but I was just throwing that out there as a possibility. But I'm definitely not suggesting you're a bad DM or that you should stop GMing. And I, I think you know that, so. But just wanted to confirm it because – you know a little confirmation is not a bad thing I'm definitely looking forward to the monster hunters and the other things we do as we explore GURPS the time slot works great for me and I I am interested in learning more about GURPS I know occasionally I may sound a little bit negative with technology issues or this or that but I'll come along just if you don't mind a little bit of grump I, I greatly appreciate it I'll try not to be grumpy
1: Hey, Jason, thank you. I don't know that you're a grunt, mate. I think it's lovely that you uh, care so much about everything that people around you do. You are, as many people have said, a sort of glue that holds together the anchor community of podcasters. And um, I just thank you so much. Uh, yeah, and you're right. I, I don't see myself as uh, stopping GMing. I think I'm way too addicted to the idea. But um, I don't know. It, when I can't GM, I just end up soloing, right? So i don't know people vote with their feet i just felt um yeah i needed to sort of sort of say and be honest you know and i think it's kind of to the theme of the podcast to say this as well that you know we all have limited time i perhaps managed to squeeze a lot more into my time than many people expect but in the end you know there is a limit and uh I'll always choose to GM over playing Um, that's my passion and I think again in the diary I got suspicion I said some stuff that's related to that later in the episode too so I don't know I'll stop wittering and just say thank you Jason Uh, and yeah I know that affirmation means a lot to you I I just so value you as a friend and uh, so it's gonna say so thanks Jason game on man Hey, it's Sunday um, the 19th of April and um, just a quick one really, I hope. Um, just wanted to say it's sort of mid-morning and I've been doing, um ironing all morning really. Um, but I had a couple of thoughts that I wanted to sort of throw out there. First of all, a really lovely birthday. I was tired and I think Deb was extremely tired yesterday, um, on Saturday. But had a nice day together. Best present from... From anyone really was from her. I mean lovely presents from loads of people, don't get me wrong. But uh she bought me some Apple AirPods and I've been able to use those today. I went for my thirty minute walk this morning, able to listen to some podcasts and while doing the ironing, had had them in and was listening to podcasts and it's been good. I'm so far behind. It was lovely to catch up and it was really um it's just great present really, so so very practical for me as a podcaster. The other thing I did this morning, I got up early, um I'm usually up around about five AM and um I sat down. One of the presents I got yesterday was from my friend Ian. Um, he bought me a couple of books. One of those was Tony Bath's Ancient Wargaming, which is um, a book really compiling together materials written by Tony Bath, who, who died around, I believe, around about two thousand, um, from his Hyperborea or oh, Hyboria campaign. Sorry, yeah, not Hyper Hyboria. Now, those who know about the early days of role playing will have heard of Tony Bath's Hyboria because. It really is um, the archetype of the fantasy campaign. Um, well, what is it is in my mind, what he did was this really interesting thing where he played historical war games, but he set them in his world of Hyboria. He basically nicked, um, you know, the the world of Conan, that map, and then he turned it into a campaign map for himself. And each player had one of the nations, and they played war games, but each nation had different kind of eras of historical of historical forces. So really great blend of both of those kind of elements and it really struck me as interesting to read and the book is about how to set one of those up so boy am I digging into that because I think there is going to be a whole raft of great learning from that and um, you know once I've got my head around it now the immediate response I had this is I mean for me the first thing that really hit me was this is how to go about setting up your campaign world it really is and uh, even if you're going to down to the level of role-playing this is a great way of setting up your campaign world is really straightforward really simple and um, the rules in it are great as well there's so many little insights a uh, second little insight that came from it for example was reading his um, rules he's got some tabletop battle rules in there um, and the ing saving throws and it just suddenly struck me, like, I've never thought of this consciously, but it's so obvious now that I've thought of it, that this is where those original saving throws came from, that back in the day, you know, people playing war games, um, they would have been familiar with the idea of saving throw for different types of armor, and it would have made sense. So that When you would have a Dragon Breath, you would add, oh, let's have a save for Dragon Breath, and you kind of standardize that. Once you've made up that rule, you standardize, you write it down, and then maybe later on you came up with a you know, a saving throw against spells, and you would have written down that. And that's how, I believe, I, I I can really see that that would be how you would go about essentially building those old classic saving throws that seem odd to us when we look back on them, but, you know, that's where they perhaps would have come from, that approach to gaming. And um, it's all there in wargaming. So I'm digging back with, A, I'm a wargamer in my heart. And I think, if anything, I'd really love to set up a Hy- Hyboria-type game, uh as a war game and i'd really love to get involved with maybe do some online war gaming that way Uh, and then from that you know you'd create a world and you'd be able to offer role-playing adventures in that world as well and how cool would that be so there you go random thoughts on a sunday morning it's tuesday and i realized i didn't say anything yesterday Um, and so i thought i'd better record a quick thing before i dive into work this morning I uh, have to say that yesterday was a really tricky and tough day for me. I started out with, in a pretty positive mood, but I have to say that work was very intense. Um, catching up on what's going on and trying to get your head around everything that's expected of us. That's kind of difficult, actually. Um, and it, was, it wasn't a shock to the system particularly, but it was really difficult within the context of being alone at home while my wife is at hospital. Um, and um, I know that she's going through a hell of a time. And so, at the end of yesterday, when obviously she got home, you know you got to be their supportive husband and um I wasn't in the best place for that, so it was difficult i well, it was fine she had a really lovely time together, and um I think focusing on you know giving her what she needs, which is uh, a bit of quality time uh listening as much as I can without trying to solve problems, just listening and um you know, a lot of physical contact as well, I have to say. You know, small touches make a massive difference in a relationship. And I don't know if people here will blush as I hear if I talk about that. But, you know, just holding hand or, you know, putting an arm around someone is um, everything, I think, uh, to some at least. I-, I know that we all speak different love languages and, um, you know, physical contact is one of those. But it's, um, you know... I- I know that that's important to my wife. So it's really lovely to be able to do that. And, um, the other thing is that, um, we finished watching through, uh, the rookie on Amazon prime yesterday, which is a tremendous TV series. And I'm I'm grateful to Doug Cole actually for mentioning it in in an interview I was doing with him the other week, um, which is coming soon. (laughs) Um, but actually he mentioned it in passing. It got me curious. And and we've loved that series. really enjoyed that series. Um, Uh, A bit of a cop thing, but a bit different, and I liked it. Anyway, I'm wittering. Hobby, what's going on? Well, the downside of yesterday was I really was unmotivated. So I've had my players have have all, I think they've all emailed me a character sheet uh, for the forthcoming GURPS Monster Hunters UK. And of course, yesterday, in typical fashion, I had zero motivation to look at those, so I haven't. But it is something I will do throughout this week, I think, try and make the time to actually take a look at these sheets and, um, and have a look at the characters and see what the guys are wanting to, to play, really, and what they're wanting to do. And then I can build um, the adventure scenario. And we're just doing a one-shot. It's one to three sessions. I imagine it will be one, maybe two sessions, what I have in mind. And I have some ideas, but it really is going to be heavily informed by the characters. So I need to look at those in detail. So I just kind of, I know this is very belated. I know that this comes out a week, well after a week after we've done things. By the time this comes out, we'll be, you know, staring down the barrel of that session on the Saturday coming. So, you know, I I just wanted to say thank you to the guys for being supportive. And I I hope I deliver. (laughs) Uh, what else? Oh, on related note, um, yesterday it really struck me. I was thinking a lot about fantasy, and you know I, I was speaking last week a little bit about uh, looking at some d d fantasy worlds and, and playing in those, and it just hit me yesterday, actually, one of the the only gaming thoughts I had yesterday was Han. Um, I, I really have long uh, admired that as a setting, and um, I, you know what? Why don't I play in Han? It's absolutely what I'm looking for, isn't it? You know, lower fantasy, medium fantasy, if you want to nick gothridge managers um gothridge manor tim's phrase um i don't know I, I just think it would be great to play in so i don't know if the guys would be interested but I'm, i think i'm going to pitch it out there anyway um i better go and do some work i just wanted to check in game on it's wednesday afternoon late afternoon and uh, just finishing up for the day a lot of marking and uh quite a bit of uh, interaction with my year 12s today. It's been really good, talking philosophy, starting to encourage some discussion online, really. Um, Kind of an interesting experiment with Microsoft Teams. But anyway, um, I'm really excited because a number of things really uh, kind of come down today. One of my birthday presents was um, a book about, um, well, standing stones, really, megaliths. And It's a really interesting tome because it's talking about what is believed to be the symbology of those things um, and it's written by archaeologists and therefore, dead interesting um, because you know me, I love my standing stones, I also love my magic portals and I really want to sort of draw from history on this one so that's um, a really strong idea um and I, that got me excited this morning but then this afternoon even better than that really and totally unrelated um but uh, rod leary from the design mechanism has been in touch and well let's just say that there's been a mild gentle invitation towards writing again for um mr mir and uh if you don't know mr mir is the setting that i developed uh, for myself using the um mithras classic fantasy stuff that rod designed um, and eventually led to me writing a couple of modules set in that particular realm and then that realm mr muir itself has been f- sort of absorbed into the official setting of uh classic fantasy which is graymere and um it's kind of one of the realms in the north and rod is talking about developing that a little bit further and wondering if i want to be involved and of course i do uh, that would be fabulous so um I don't know, I'm just dead excited. I don't know if this will go anywhere, cause you know, until contracts are signed. But uh wants to kick around some ideas, see where that might go. Uh so that's obviously gonna energize me and it's gonna mean I'm um, maybe some of these games I'm doing I'm gonna have to set there. I wanna gonna wanna set there and test a few things out. So I don't know. But anyway, I'm just dead excited today. It's been a really positive hobby wise, been really positive work wise, and uh yeah, you know, cracking on really. It's Friday morning, and uh, wow, what a week it's been. can't believe it's Friday already, actually. Uh, tonight is Dolman Wood, and um, I'm fingers crossed the guys are going to show, uh, Ian and Andy. In a way, it's um, it's lovely that it's just the two of us, um, and in another way, it's kind of a shame, because I actually think a lot of people would enjoy the game we're playing, uh, but never mind. Um yeah, I'm going to get on to prepping that this afternoon, although to be honest, I, I don't even finish work till probably half three, four o'clock, um, and that's certainly going to be the case today. I no chance of stealing away early because my boss has uh, set up a two o'clock afternoon meeting, which I can't help feel as, uh, I don't know, is that designed to make sure we are there lasting on a Friday, uh, or am I just very cynical? Anyway. I wanted to talk about Harn. I uh, hopped on Discord last night and um, I asked, or well, yesterday afternoon, I think it was, or morning, I, I sometime yesterday, I, I asked about Han, You know, how would people feel if if we used, if I used it? And um, it's really interesting. I, by the way, when I say this, the people who I was talking to are wonderful gamers whom I love gaming with and whom are part of my learning groups group. Really, um, and guys, this is no criticism. I was just interested. You know, you say, "Hey, let's play Harn," and the first thing I get is. Um, somebody saying oh yeah that's a really good game system Han Master and I'm like no I wasn't talking about playing the system I was talking about Han the world of Han Han world and then you get oh you know that's really like super medieval and uh, there's no magic and uh, how could it possibly be fun being a serf in medieval kind of worlds where you can't ever leave your thing unless your noble kills you and it sort of struck me that well, first of all, those impressions are really surprising. They're like the impressions I get when people say, hey, let's play GURPS, and people go, oh, no, super complex game. You know, oh, my goodness, that's just, like, everything nightmarish, and it'll be a complete nightmare to play. Um, really? You know, so many times I'm encountered with um, reactions to things that I like. Well, frankly, I think there's a kind of half assed understanding, <laughs> and... Um, I don't know. Anyway, I wanted to clarify what I was talking about um, because what, you know I realised that just saying "Hey, I'm thinking about using Han as a fantasy setting" obviously triggers a load of very odd reactions from people that weren't what I meant. Um, what I was talking about is there's gorgeous maps. The the Han map it's a big island and it's a hex map uh, at about twelve and a half mile scale per hex. I think, um, it, you know, it's like whatever kilometres that is, and um, each of the areas the map is also gridded so the hex map is gridded and then there is available if you want to you can buy a map um kind of supplement for every single one of those gridded bits um of the map and it's quite huge um and it's uh, an incredible level of detail the the maps are uh, you know topographic they are absolutely gorgeous they show the the terrain they show the locations of kind of key settlements but not every village and um just re- it's really rich it's gorgeous it's like i own this damn thing and i own quite a lot of the the atlas bits actually probably f- well i don't know not a lot of them probably three or four of them enough certainly to play a reasonable campaign for a goodly one one i remember a while ago i had a go at playing Master with the friday nighters uh even will remember this and we played one-off adventure that's kind sort of from a from a pre-written module as well which was quite fun it was it was all right but you know, it took us like so long to make characters using Harm Harmaster. It's incredibly detailed, crunchy game, um, and and actually, it was it's good. But I I don't know. There are just easier games that have that level of complexity. Um, anyway, I there's so much richness in there. However, you know, like Harmaster is full of wonderful details, but um, well worth mining. But the the uh, thing you know haven't had the experience of playing with it the thing that really struck me was the the world and yeah okay so it's written a sort of very low, you know low super low fantasy kind of medieval world but the intention I think was always that you know if you want to play a high fantasy in Han you do that by you know simply adding more elements of fantasy more magic which strikes me as a heck of a lot simpler than say taking I don't know the forgotten realms and taking the magic out. Uh, because, you know, a setting like Never Forgotten Realms, if it can be said to hang together at all coherently, only hangs together, I think, because it's magical, you know, that it's, you know, your hand waving and, and using magic as an excuse for so many things that if you took the magic away, the whole thing falls apart. Um, now, you know, I'm not a, a huge fan of super high fantasy and it's, you know, I know my friend Ian is a massive fan of the Forgotten Realms and uh, has spent many years adventuring there and... And learning the law, uh, I just found it you know, messy. Um, Han is like the opposite opposite of that. It's um, just about the most coherent world I've ever come across, and they pride themselves on the, the quality and detail. And there are maps there, and you know what attracted me originally was actually the city maps, the town maps, and I was kind of thinking about stealing those and putting them into my own campaign. I had a problem with that though, in a, in one sense, because the maps are say so topographically. Accurate. that actually fitting them into my world meant kind of physically changing my world to make sure that map fitted. Um, Which kind of, I guess, speaks a little bit to the way my mind works in that I want everything to match. And it just sort of occurred to me, I was reading Tony Bath's Wargaming, and um, he was talking about, you know, appropriate a map, and you basically use it steal a map, stick a hex grid over it, and that becomes your campaign map. And, you know, if it's of a fantasy world, that would be really great. And that's where I started, you know, I started with this idea of, hey, I've got that huge map, and if I wanted a War Games campaign, you know, a fantasy War Games campaign, it's perfect because it, you know, like Tony Bath's Hyboria was about, you know, taking the world of Conan Barbarian and then fighting battles in it using historical armies, you know, like armies that are based on historical analogues. Um, and Han would be perfect for that because it's already got that assumption of relatively low magic, you know, like that it's actually, again, a historical kind of feeling to it and, um, I just, I just seem so rich to me. Uh, and like, why don't I just steal it and use it? And, um, uh, as a part of me, of course, realizes as well that actually I could do that and not tell the players that's where they were at all. Actually, that they probably wouldn't have a clue for a long while Well, unless it saw a map, I suppose. I suppose as soon as you show them one of the gorgeous maps, um, they would perhaps know where they came from. But, um, that stuff from Columbia games is just absolutely awesome. And, uh, why don't I use it? I own so much of it. And, um, and yeah, you know, there's nothing to, it doesn't have to, you know, it's the thing that frustrates me is it doesn't have to be that, you know, super low medieval, no magic, or virtually. I mean, there is magic in, in Han. There's a whole supplement on Han magic. It's quite grounded and earthy and, and, and exciting, actually. And the religion stuff is really rich, and I really enjoyed it. It's, again, it's well thought through. And, um, you know, you could stick it steal that stuff and use that stuff. Um but, you know, when you're – this is a kind of a – I guess it speaks to a point that kind of infuriates me in the gaming community. Um, so I'm probably not going to be very popular for saying this. But why does everybody insist on taking things and then, you know, it must be done in that way. It must be rules, you know, rules as written. That's not the right phrase. It, it must be setting as written. You know, like there are plenty of people who are listening to this podcast who are quite happy with the idea of hacking the rules why are we so unhappy with the idea of hacking the setting you know unless it's you know we're okay, I suppose, with the idea of taking a bit of a setting as a module and throwing it in our own campaign world um and we can happy to stitch together a canvas that way, but the idea of taking someone's complete world and then hacking it apart that is anathema uh to to so many people and it just frustrates me because it's like well, why not? why not just take the map and do your own thing you know. What stops you from doing that? Uh, nothing. Um, the reason why you know publishers don't want you to do that is simply because they want you to keep buying the supplements they're kicking out. You know, that's a there's a there's a money thing there. But actually, as a gamer, you know, if I can't be really bothered to read all those modules and get my head around all of the the intricacies of the the setting, well, I can make that up, can't I? And I can take what I want from those modules and leave the rest. And isn't that the essence of what we are all about here? I don't know. That sounded like a real rant. I'm probably going to just annoy people. Um, better shut up. All right, it's Friday lunchtime. I'm just stealing a few minutes in my lunch, half hour, to prep for um, tonight's longwood game. And um, I actually got a cu- uh, four decks of these things, these outdoor encounter cards, which are created by uh, Phil Reed, um, And I got in Kickstarter last year, I think. Um, in fact, they finally arrived, anyway and um, these outdoor encounter cards are quite cool a 36 deck uh, 36 card deck of inspiration for GMs is what it says and I've just grabbed deck 1 I've got 4 decks of these but I just grabbed deck 1 I'm going to draw a card I thought um, my guys tonight we've had quite a few random encounters along the way uh, they do seem to roll them um, and again he- 8 hexes through the along the roads uh, from Prigwart to Dreg and then on to Lankshorn So I reckon I need two, maybe three encounters. And so what I thought I'd do... In previous games, what I've done is rolled um, a couple of encounters off the uh, random encounter tables in um, Old School Essentials, which I'll do in a sec. Um, But instead of rolling two encounters there, and then I've been rolling a random encounter from What Happened at Wyvern Rock for adding in weirdness. um, High strangeness. I uh, thought what I would do is draw... um, Card from this encounter deck just see what that throws up uh, for putting on the road. Um, so here goes, uh, Restless Dead. Um, so the note here is it's not quite an nice image actually, black and white art. Um, a long forgotten cemetery, far from the people of the towns and villages, the land has been disturbed by a vile necromancer. Didn't go looking for trouble, but you undoubtedly put an, an end to his evil ceremony right now. So you encounter a, nan- a necromancer and one d six skeletons per party member. Plus one zombie for every three skeletons. That's nasty. Okay, well, the party, uh, how do I want to define the party? Because it's actually six characters. Um, Well, there are four player characters and two um, uh, NPCs, I guess, is what we describe them as. Um, What's the word? Hirelings? Hmm. Um, It says 26 per party member. Uh, one d six skeletons per party member. Uh, well, I suppose there's, f- there's six of them. Sixty six sounds a bit horrendous. Um, but all right. Uh, how about we go with forty six because um, you know, <laughs> it's a bit more doable. There's four actual characters, so let's do that. Forty six skeletons. It's gonna be a nasty horde, isn't it? Um. Alright, not too bad. Six of an eight, ten. Okay. So, um, I've got Restless Dead. Uh, and I've got a Necromancer. I've got ten skeletons. Now, I kind of think it, this is winter in Donwood right now. It says a zombie for every three skeletons. So, let's have three zombies. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, zombies are worse than um, skeletons in terms of worse as in nasty. (laughs) Um, So skeletons, I'm going to... uh, Alright, I'll I'll look up the details of this, but that's basically uh, an encounter. not quite sure what to do with a Necromancer, so I'll look that up shortly. Okay, so that's one encounter. Um, while I'm here, so I want to keep this brief. Um, I'm going to now roll up um, just a standard random winless counter. So I've been doing this normally using the uh, random tables that are in the essentials. So I'm just going to grab a D8 and roll under the forest table, as we are in a forest, um, and see what I get. So I've got a 2, which is an animal, um, and i go to the... Wilderness encounter animal table. So we're going to looking for the forest. There we go. Animal. It's a D12 roll. Um, it's going to roll a two. Uh, got a boar. Okay. Sounds a bit more sensible. Um, so. Go and look for the stats for that, and that will tell me how many I get. That's the only thing I really need to do. Um, so 1d6, 1d6 boar, uh, <laughs> that's six. Okay, so encounter number two, wild boar, um, times six. So that'll be kind of nasty. I'm just going to make a note, that's page 144 of the tome. I'll look up the page in the monster man book as well because it's more useful in some ways to use the monster little monster book than it is to use the big tone, but there we go um okay so that's two encounters that will certainly be enough for a night in some ways but i do like the idea of weirdness so if they do get unlucky um i'm just going to roll off the tables in what happened at wyvern rock so i'm still running on vague encounters they've still got a, a very low level of weirdness they haven't engaged with very much these tend to be sort of vague it's a d12 roll Um, 6 is a landing, so this is very similar to um, what happened last time, Uh, a couple of sessions ago actually they had a landing and it actually happened so uh, craft d4 miles away, we might as well just decide that now, Uh, save the dice roll at the table, Uh, 4 miles away, 4 miles Away. Now, I've been traditionally doing these north all the time, but I might do it differently. Uh, lowers itself to the ground and can't, and disappears from sight. Now, the idea is if they go investigating, um, then it's not there when they get there, which is kind of the weirdness of it. Um, and, of course, if they engage with that, they get plus one weirdness, so kind of cool thing a strangeness score goes up so I'm just tracking that Uh, I think they've got a strangeness of three right now so they've had high strangeness three times Uh, if this goes it goes plus one so um, it will be interesting Just going to make a note party strangeness is currently three and that would be plus one strange now I'm going to say if they engage with it it's an extra you know, they won't. I just know they won't. <laughs> but there you go. Right. So there are three events. I've got the restless dead, uh, which I've got to look up details for. It's going to be horrendous if they run across that. Um, but I kind of think it's quite cool. This horde kind of coming out of the forest onto the road. That'd be an interesting encounter. Um, a wild boar to deal with, or, or six of them in fact, running through the forest and a landing. How's that? Prep. Pretty much done.